The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Everyone, welcome to the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. We have a special day one NHL draft podcast for you, talking all about the newest member to the Flyers organization. I am joined as always by the wonderful Brooke Desher, and we have a special guest, Joe Fordyce, our Flyers pre and post game live producer. We're going to have plenty to talk about with this new member to the organization and uh, what's ahead for the Flyers next season and also day two of the draft. But let's focus on the newest member of the Philadelphia Flyers organization, Tyson Forrester, a winger from out of the OHL. He played for the Barry Colts. Uh, They say he's a goal scorer. He's more of a goal scorer, shoot first kind of guy, pure shooter. He had 80 points in 62 regular season games for Barry, 36 goals, 44 assists. He compares himself to TJ Oshie. He likes that TJ Oshie is a complete player. 18-year-old kid, kind of with a baby face, but the Flyers really like his future. Rook Desher, what do you think of the pick? Do you like it, and uh, are you excited for it? I'm not going to lie. I was cracking up when he posted his um, welcome video on Flyers Twitter. And I, I always joke about how I feel young. I feel old <laughs> looking at our newest draft pick. So I just think that that's just absolutely hysterical. But, man, we have been talking about wanting the Flyers to just get somebody who has that kind of shot, a pure snipe, and we got it. Yeah. We got it. And, I was kind of back and forth. I was thinking, oh, maybe they may go defensemen, and that wasn't the case. We were also thinking center, and that wasn't the case. They went for a pure shooter. And honestly, I really like the fact that that was something Chuck Fletcher wanted to address right off the bat. It's something needed. I think it's something that Flyers fans are going to absolutely love because now in the upcoming days, people are going to start looking at his game from the most recent season with the Colts. And I think people are going to be very impressed. I know that I already am from the research that we've done leading up to the draft. So I think it's a very good, fun fit for Philly. Yeah, we we joke all the time that the Flyers fans are always clamoring for a goal scorer, a shoot first guy, please shoot the puck. Um, But it was nice. I think the organization always says, yeah, we're always looking for that. Chuck Fletcher even said in his post-draft availability that, um, the Flyers are not the only organization with a fan base that's kind of yearning for those type of players. Uh, he said there's many other organizations that have fans that always want a goal score. It's just natural. But it, did, it was nice to see the organization really go out and, like you said, Brooke, kind of really circle a winger, a guy that can score goals and really has that upside in terms of goal scoring. Uh, Joe, what did you think of the pick? I know there's maybe some skating issues with him, uh, but it seemed like a lot of people kind of downplayed those and more focused on his goal scoring ability. What did you think of the pick? 
Well, the, the one thing that stood out to me is we've seen the Flyers. They like to pick players that can do a little bit of everything. That and and now they they focused in on a player that is a something like a specialty player. And I feel like that says a little bit about what they think of their organization as a whole, both what they have on the roster and what they have coming up that they can afford to go spend a first round pick on a guy who is a specialty type player like this. I think that's a good sign. A couple other things stood out to me. Um, the word sniper. How many times do you hear people in this town use the flyers need a sniper. So the word sniper, you mentioned the comparison to TJ Oshie and I saw the comparison on the NBC NHL broadcast to Corey Perry. I think the flyers and any fans would sign up for any of that in a heartbeat. And I mean, Corey Perry, you're talking about a borderline hall of fame player, TJ Oshie, obviously we know his resume speaks for itself. So um, if those are the comp comparisons, if he, if he's seventy five percent of any of that, I think everybody's going to be really happy with this pick. Yeah, and the fact that he's kind of already producing uh, at the in the OHL at the junior hockey level, eighty points, sixty two games, he can score goals. And if you see him, he he looks like he's still really growing into his body. Like like Brooklyn and, Albert, and uh, Joe, as you as you mentioned as well, uh, he we were kind of joking that he looks younger. He has a baby face. Um, I even had some people text me. Like, how old is this kid uh, joking around? But that's a good thing. That's a good thing that he's still – looks like he's really still growing into his body and maturing. And the Flyers believe that um, any type of skating issue, the, the stronger he gets, the better he'll get there. And then the fact is he can already score. So that has to be exciting. Visit your Philadelphia-area Cadillac dealer today and experience the ultimate in iconic luxury. Brooke, I wanted to ask you this. Um, obviously, a lot of buzz on Twitter from Flyers fans – about Hendricks Lapierre, um, a high-risk, high-reward type of prospect. A lot of people pegged him kind of as a top-10 draft uh, prospect on pure talent, but obviously he has some cervical issues, some concussion history, uh, and those kind of concerns caused him to drop. He dropped right before the Flyers. The Washington Capitals, <laughs> the Metropolitan Division rival, trade up to take the Flames' pick at 22 uh, overall. They get LaPierre, and then the Flyers' pick at 23, and they get their guy. Are you concerned at all about the Flyers missing out on LaPierre? Do you think the Capitals kind of one-up them there? Or do you think that's just kind of, you know, everyone just making too much of this? I mean, I can guarantee that everybody's initial reactions could probably change as soon as tomorrow morning. But... I mean, we were talking about it this past week on the podcast. Lafayette would have been such a great player in Philadelphia. We did say that he had that high-risk, high-reward kind of feel. But as soon – Calgary was all over the place in the first round. They were just trading their picks left and right. And thank goodness to spice things up just a little bit. Other than that, it was a pretty flat draft um, in terms of movement. But I think that that has a lot to do with they're not being a draft floor this year. And that intensity kind of subsided. But as soon as the Capitals jumped in front of the Flyers, I just knew I had a gut feeling that they were going after him. And like, here we go. It, it happened. Um, but normally, and 
again, it could probably change as soon as when I wake up tomorrow. Um, I'm not too upset that the Flyers missed out on them because after, I'd say probably the 20th pick, the Flyers still had a pretty significant amount of forwards to pick from, and every single one had different pros. So while Lafayette is probably going to have a great career in Washington, we're probably going to hate playing against him. But I, I'm really happy with who we did settle on. So, again, it could change in the morning. But we'll see. Yeah, so much projection, obviously, with when you're, when you're talking about 17-, 18-year-old kids – um, especially in, in a draft like you know NHL and hockey, it's not like the NBA or football where you're getting guys that are coming in right away and playing. Uh, so much projection goes into it. Obviously, there were concerns with Lapierre, um, and the Flyers knew of those concerns. Chuck Fletcher, for fans that are wondering, Chuck Fletcher, general manager of the Flyers, said the draft actually fell the way he thought it would. They wanted they wanted um, Tyson Forrest, and uh, it, it, and it worked out the way they wanted. Um, they said the Capitals trading up really did not impact them at all. Um, so that tells you what they think of, like you said, Tyson Forrest, and also maybe the concerns they had about LaPierre. Joe, what did you think of it? I know you knew of Hendricks LaPierre. He was talked about a ton during the draft. Um, what did you just think of the Capitals trading up and kind of jumping in there? Well, the thing is, if you remember last year, when the Flyers picked Cam York, and then the next pick after him is Cole Caulfield, and it felt like everybody went crazy. Like, we left this goal scorer on the board. Why didn't they take a goal scorer? He's a pure goal scorer. I don't feel like this is that kind of situation at all because I, I don't – I think the Flyers got value with the player that they got in Forrester. And – you, you don't have the, the extra baggage of the injury risk and the past injury history. Um, I mean, Jordan, it, the, obviously the cervical stuff is what really, you know, was at the top of his resume. But you mentioned the concussion history. I mean, we're already looking at this situation with Nolan Patrick, the former number two pick. And, you know, we have no idea what this guy's future holds at this point. And he was the second overall pick. So, I mean, you do, you really don't want a you, – you don't want your prospect and your crop of prospects to be littered with a bunch of injury questions. And, um, you know, I, I feel like the Flyers got, got the player and there's no reason to be – now, he could go – LaPierre could go on and be a great player. Uh, he may, worry, may very well do that, but I don't feel like in any way um, – the Flyers should feel like they missed out, nor should the fans. Yeah, I feel like that's the overall consensus. I think some fans really wanted him, but um, I think most fans were pretty happy with the pick because, like you said, Brooke and I were just chatting about it on a previous um, Flyers Talk podcast that last year fans were so mad because they saw that 72 gold number next to Call Caulfield's name, and not only did the Flyers pass on him, but they passed on him twice when they traded back. Um, here, this year, they got a guy with a pedigree of scoring goals. Um, I think overall the fans will be pretty happy with the pick. And uh, I, I looked it up. This is the lowest they've – this is the lowest uh, first overall selection for the Flyers since 2010 when they didn't have a first-round selection. So the fact that they got um, you know, this type of player at this uh, spot in the first round, I think that's a pretty overall victory, uh, Brooke. Would, would you agree? Oh, without a doubt. I mean – I thought it was a pretty fun stat that I saw that the Flyers have had a first-round draft pick 
for 10 consecutive years. And I think that that's a real testament to how much the organization has put time and effort into building this pipeline. And I just think it's going to be basically if you weren't Columbus in the first round of this draft, <laughs> I think people are going to be okay because I honestly, I'm still shocked with Columbus. Everyone was kind of sitting back and we were like, who, <laughs> yeah. who is this? And <laughs> frankly, I'm still in shock about it. But yeah, I think that it's just really a testament to the Flyers organization as a whole for the way that things have gone in the first round. That was a really funny part of the draft. I think some people thought that the early part of the draft um, I don't want to say boring, but obviously there's, there wasn't any trades. There wasn't a lot of wheeling and dealing. And sometimes you get that, and it's really fun and entertaining for fans. And there was none of it. Um, but we, let's be real. We look at Twitter for entertainment value. And when Columbus made that pick, uh, I, I can't remember how many was before the Flyers. Was it 22nd overall? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Was it 21st, 20th? It was like, oh, my gosh. Hold on. I'm looking right now. There has yeah. been a lot of – yeah, 21st overall. 21st overall, and it was just a guy that was not on anyone's radar for the first round. Not even close. To the uh, point where Columbus of... didn't even have a graphic with his picture on it. Yeah. To post about it. Like, their own organizations, like, social media and obviously, like, team that put, puts that content out. It looked like they were even kind of surprised and maybe digging for things as fast as they could to try to find something. Almost like Chip Kelly went back and started drafting for them, like, when he picked Marcus Smith – here, who was projected as a third-round pick, and he, when he was with, when Chip was with the Eagles, he took him in the first round. Oh my God! I just got PTSD from that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of Philly will when they hear that. So I'm glad Joe brought that up. I know and he said Chip Kelly, and like a sh like a shiver went down my spine. <laughs> exactly. And and like if you're gonna pick, if you're gonna, it's okay to reach if you really like a guy. You know, if if you're bullish on your scouting staff and the work that they did. Um, to kind of discover these players. Uh, but the least you can do is maybe know the, you know, know the room, so to speak, and maybe like try to trade back and gain an asset and then also get your guy. At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever. With our most exciting and fuel-efficient lineup, the choice is yours. Now, get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today and NissanUSA.com. Did you guys see any player on that board that you thought, like, trade up and get, trade up and get? Or, or were you kind of happy with how the draft fell for the Flyers? Um, I, I thought I was happy with how it went. I mean, I had my eyes on, on um, Jacob Perot there yeah. um, just because I, I, had, I had looked into him a ton. And it seemed like a lot of people, a lot of scouts and um, people in the know were really high on him. So I had my eyes on him, but uh, but other than that, I mean, I didn't I didn't think there was somebody that was that I was thinking like, man, they really needed they could have made a move to go up and get this guy. I I think they did they did pretty good standing pat with where they were. Yeah, Brooke, how about you? Did you did you see a guy um, like Joe said he he had his eye on pro, and I know I believe you had written about him, Brooke. Um, any other people that kind of had your eye that you thought, man, go up and get him, Flyers. Um, I mean, we've basically been doing pretty extensive draft talk since, what was it, April, essentially? Like, once we really knew that the season was 
pause. They were like, all right, this is great time to start diving into the next draft. So basically when you're looking at talent across the board, basically from the 15th pick on, I felt like there was just really great strong points for each player that went and then a few weaknesses because they're first round players. It's the biggest thing with Forrester's game is that he's not that quick on his skates, that his skating is a weakness. He's still a first round pick. His skating isn't going to hinder him that much. The Flyers have to believe that he is going to continue working and growing on that aspect of his game. So I was looking at some of the players. I mean, we noted that Justin Barron went right after, and I was speaking highly on him if the Flyers went defenseman. Um, but there wasn't really a time where I was like, dang, the Flyers should have moved up and gotten him. And we spoke about this last week as well. We didn't really think the Flyers were going to do anything spicy with this draft pick. They weren't packaging this up, Travis Sandheim, and a second-round pick for Patrick Laine. That wasn't happening. <laughs> so I think, that the Flyers... <laughs> I think that the Flyers did a really great job with the spot that they had, and they now have a really promising prospect in their system because of it. So I just, I just had to drop the line A thing because I'm, that's oh, so funny. Uh, yeah, that's Flyers Twitter for you. I'm Joe. I'm sure you've seen plenty of that buzz as well. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw the Pierre Lebrun report yesterday that, that they had had talks and um, while, while it does grab your attention, uh, I'm sure Chuck Fletcher and he said it in yesterday's availability He's talked to every team. Every team. So, uh, you know, uh, and, and generally, I, I don't love when you hear a team trying to unload a guy. Um, I'm, my guess is Winnipeg wants to cash in on line A before they have to pay him and acquire some assets that won't cost them a lot of money. Um, uh, there's a lot of teams battling cap uh, issues right now. Uh, so, while, while it's, a, it's a name and it's a guy that will get people, you know, all jazzed up, as you mentioned, Flyers Twitter, um, you know, I, it's – everything comes at a price. And what, do you, what, what are you going to have to give up in order to get a guy like Lina, especially now that you're, you're going to be focusing on um, replacing Matt Niskanen? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to – if you're really going to – I mean, I would much rather see them go out and look at signing a guy like Alex Petrangelo. You, you, this guy's been a captain of a Stanley Cup team, and nobody says a bad word about him. Not that people say bad word about Line, but he's also a really young player, and he's pretty much a one-dimensional player. So uh, I think uh, with, the, with the departure of Niskanen, with him retiring – I, I don't want to say it brings back memories of Vinny LeCavalier was old and he was done, but, you know, it's that type of knee-jerk reaction where you go get a guy that's going to make a headline, and then once the dust settles, it's like, you yeah, know, this isn't working out so good. And, you know, Ilya Brzgalov is a perfect example. Oof. Um, you know, they Again, went, another, another they, name that's right. yeah, they went. Saying. But that's a perfect example. He was the hot name. He played in a hockey market that didn't really have any pressure and wasn't used to winning. 
they signed him to a huge deal and Sergei Bobrovsky got his agent to get him out of town. And then what did Bobrovsky do? He went and won, you know, he, he went and was a great goaltender for Columbus for a number of years. And, you know, Brzezgalov was sitting in the stands watching Flyers games, not part of any team for, a, a, you know, a little bit of time there. So, uh, you know, that it probably wouldn't have been that bad because we've seen what Line's done. And, you know, he plays, you know, Winnipeg is a pressure packed environment. It's a, a Canadian team. So, you know, I'm not saying it, it's nothing against the player. It's more about what it would cost the Flyers. Right. And I think also just because I think people got a little excited about the extra cap space once the news was announced with Niskanen and people were like, ooh, we have just under $6 million extra in cap space. What can we do with it? You can sign your restricted free agents and maybe bring in a UFA or two on a very small cap-friendly contract. You're not doing a blockbuster trade this offseason. I just don't see it in the cards. Normally, I'm an optimistic person. I'm going to be a party pooper right now. I just do not see it happening. Just because we have all of this cap space this season does not mean we have to throw it all away because there are a significant amount of restricted free agents next year and contracts coming to an end in the next two seasons that are going to need to be the focal points in upcoming years. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Yeah, obviously the offseason has us kind of shifting our focus to next season and talking about these guys and what the team might look like come 2020-21 season. And guys, we know a, it, it sounds like a firm date, finally, for what the NHL is looking for starting next season. Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, said it on uh, Tuesday night's uh, NHL draft broadcast. He said that the league is focusing on January 1st as the start date. Um, what do you, Joe, what do you think about that? Do you think uh, that's a good start date? I know December was kind of in the ballpark range, but it seems like January 1 gives them a little bit more time, and um, we'll have to see how it unfolds. Yeah, I think it gives them time for a few things. Um, you know, when everybody looked at the NBA, everybody looks at the NBA as like Christmas Day is their showcase day. Well, for hockey, New Year's Day is their focus. I'm sorry, their showcase day yeah. with the Winter Classic. Now, um, this year, they could do something really special with that and, you know, ha have it be a, a whole day, you know, to open the season. So I think that's, you know, that's a, a big part of this plan. And, I think it gives a little more time to potentially get some fans in the door at the beginning of the season. I think we, we can all virtually guarantee there won't be full buildings in January, but I think with rather than maybe rushing the season to start at the beginning of December, having it start at the beginning of January, you, you have a little bit of extra time that maybe you can get some fans in there because we start, we're starting to see that, in NFL games. Now I know that's outside in most cases, but um, you know, it, it leaves that door open at least a little bit. Whereas December, I don't think it would be open at all. So I, I think it's, I think it's a good plan. Uh, no reason. There's no reason in this environment to rush things. And I think we've all seen that with some, what happened at the beginning of the baseball season and some of the stuff that's going on in the NFL now with, 
games being postponed, teams being threatened to forfeit games and all that. I think if you can take a little bit of time and still keep the integrity of the season, I think that's better for everyone involved. Yeah, like you said, there's no need to rush. And, and kudos to the NHL. They did an excellent job with the return to play tournament. Um, not one positive test for COVID. Uh, they did a great job. And it sounds like they're being smart about this as well. Like you said, Joe, if you hammer down a date in December and you don't feel comfortable about it and then you have to push it back, it's not great publicity. Uh, the, you know, fans and people will be mad. It certainly won't make uh, teams happy that they were kind of planning for a certain date and all of a sudden they have to shift gears again. Uh, yeah, like you said, this gives you more time um, to, to make some hard decisions or at least see how things uh, develop with this obvious, this coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, Brooke, did you, uh, were you happy to hear about January 1? It's finally nice to hear a date, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, like Joe said, New Year's Day is such a showcase day for the NHL, and I was actually cracking up because as soon as that was announced, I was scrolling on Twitter, and people were like, all right, Winter Classic, it's going to be the Blackhawks versus the whoever. And I was cracking up because it's just, it's something that fans just know so well that this is, this is such a key day for hockey. And, man, I just want to commend the NHL in general for how well that they have handled the situation and getting back into the return-to-play tournament up until Tampa winning the Cup. And now that they're taking the extra steps and extra precautions that January 1st isn't too far away. It gives them a significant amount of time for the offseason, for training camp, to jump into the season. It's not like we're going to sit here and wait half a year for things to get back and running. And it's not really that situation in the regular season anyways. There's normally just a few months. So we're really treating this like a full off season is basically what I'm getting. It's not going to be really condensed. And next year, probably it's going to be a condensed season. They're going to try and hopefully aim to end in June again. So the following season can be full 82 games late but I think that it was probably the best case scenario for the NHL because they know that they are going to have everyone ready and willing to jump into that I do however think that there's still going to be some aspect of a bubble pending how the coronavirus pans out for the rest of the year um, better safe than sorry. Like you said, there wasn't one positive COVID test in either bubble for the months that they were in there. So I think that if they're going to play things safe and they're pushing the date back, that's definitely something that I think they're also looking at. But man, I am, I'm already excited <laughs> for next season, if I'm being honest. You know, it's interesting, Brooke, to follow up on that. Back in, in May, um, we, uh, Michael Barkan did an interview with Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner. And during that interview, now this was, this was when they were still trying to figure out the return to play, but he did say that they only needed 45 days between the end of whatever they did for return to play, which wasn't planned as of then to the start of the next season, which sounded all well and good in May. But if you think about that scale, the season ended at the beginning of last week. So we would be talking about roughly 35 days from right now that they would be already starting the next season. And think about it. It just That's ended. Insane. 
That that would just be I, I I don't see how they would pull that off, and particularly for a team like the Lightning, you I mean you look every day and you see Tampa Bay has salary cap issues, so they would have to get rid of guys, they would have to they would have to sign guys, they would have to do all this manipulation of the cap and do the draft, and then be have ready to have a team on the ice in you know thirty five days. That would just be. I think when you talk about the integrity of a season, that would have damaged the integrity of a season. So oh, I without think, a doubt. Yeah, this would be this is a much better plan. Yeah, and I mean, even outside of just having just over a month to get things together, you also have to look at the wear and tear of the sport itself. It just it's not feasible for these athletes to only have that much time to recover from a full season even though it was only a few extra um, months from the return to play. So it's, it's a different circumstance, but still to give them only that small window of time to be able to be like, all right, training camp is in 21 days. We'll see you there. Yeah. Right after all of this ended and concluded, it would have been so bizarre to even think about that where the lightning was just, skating around with the Stanley cup and then you're going to blink and then the season's going to resume. It just, it, that itself makes no sense. And injuries and everything that probably would have followed would have just made next season a very difficult circumstance to recover from. So I'm happy with the pause and the long break. Yeah. Cause a lot of people did say, a lot of people said, well, they had all that time off during the pause but, okay, so they had that time off, but for those 23 or whatever it was, the amount of teams, they then played for varying different amounts of time. So it, while they might be able to start the season, what is this, what's the hockey, what's the health, what is that all going to look like in, say, March, when you're coming down the stretch to a playoff run and half the teams in the league are totally out of gas because of the, you know, the season, the stop, the start, the, you know, the stop and the start again. It would just, it's just, um, it, I don't see how they would have made it work. Yeah, no. And, and like you said, it's, it's still kind of, as we're talking about it, it still makes you kind of scratch your head that we're talking NHL draft in early October instead of a season starting. So we have the newest Flyers prospect in the organization, Tyson Forrester, and we'll expect more prospects joining the organization on Wednesday for day two of the draft, rounds two to seven as it wraps up. Great talking to you guys. Joe Forrest, thanks as always for coming on, and we're excited to have you back on for some more free agency talk uh, as this offseason picks up. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Brooke Dester, thank you as always for those looking for uh, both Brooke and Joe's work. Uh, go to NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Plenty of draft and free agency coverage there. Uh, Brooke Desha, thank you so much. Thank you, Jordan Hall. And also, everybody, you can also go to NBC Sports Philadelphia and read all of Jordan Hall's work because he never wants to credit himself. So <laughs> I'm going to credit him. So go plugs. read his stuff, too. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Brooke. All the plugs. We're friends here. This is what we do. And also a special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer, for doing this late and always being on board with us. Uh, this is the latest Flyers Talk podcast brought to you by the Philadelphia Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. 
Flyers fans, wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.